This is the FCB Radio Network, home of the best personalities and where real talk lives. Online at fcbradio.com. FCB. They freed us all from tyranny. Risked everything for liberty. And they thought so we would be America, land of the Welcome back to the Growing Patriot Podcast, American History for Kids. I'm Amelia Hamilton. We've been talking about what the Constitution does, what it says, what it means, and this week we're going to be going into one of the really important things that our Constitution does, and that is that it limits our government. But what in the world does that mean? We have a great guest this week to tell us about it, but first, let's meet Archer. I'm Archer, I'm six, and I live in Virginia. My favorite things are to watch Power Rangers, to see new places, to explore new parts of the world, to find new stuff in this whole entire world, and be brave and strong. Those are excellent favorite things. And now for his questions. How do they limit the government? Why do they limit the government? How did they get the idea? Those really get right to why it was important. How did they limit the government? Why did they limit the government? And where did they get that idea? Now it's time to bring in a historian to answer those questions. America, land of the free. My name is Bill Maddox. I work at an organization called the James Madison Institute. We are based in Tallahassee, Florida, and focus primarily on state issues, which were important to uh, Mr. Madison. He was the author among other things, of the Tenth Amendment, which uh, uh, reiterated the importance of uh, state powers, uh, especially uh, compared to national powers coming from Washington. Mm -hmm. So um, in my role, I focus entirely on education issues and do a lot of work with students in our state and around the country who are interested in Mr. Madison, his um, vivacious and delightful wife, Dolly, and uh, all the things that they championed early in our American experience. Yeah. So when it came time for us to do an episode about limited government, I thought about James Madison. And can you tell us a little bit why, a little bit about why that is such a good, a natural fit? So it's it's a it's a natural fit, but it would be important to to say up front that one of the things that Mr. Madison is most famous for is a comment or or passage that he wrote in one of his most famous uh, papers, the part of the Federalist Papers. It was, in fact, Federalist uh, number 51. And he said then, um, if men were angels, no government would be necessary. Mm -hmm. But because men aren't angels, we have to have a government. And yet, because we are fallen creatures, we are people who don't... um, uh, always do the right thing. It's then very important for the powers of the government to be limited and for them to be dispersed widely. And so this is very much a big part of the reason why we see three branches of government. We have checks and balances. So basically Madison's philosophy and that of the other founders was we need to have a government, but we need to keep it small and limited. And we need to um spread the power around rather than having it concentrated in a single person or group of people. So remember, these guys were 
you know, um, initially fighting against the king and and trying to set up a government that would not carry forward many of the flaws that they saw in uh, the the British government. And so this was a big idea for them was to keep keep government limited and to spread the power around. All right. So Archer's first question is a pretty it's a pretty good place to start. And that is, what does it mean to limit the government? Um, well, in in that Tenth Amendment that I referenced earlier, one of the things that Madison said there was um, any unenumerated, and that's a big uh, grown-up word, but I'll unpack it in just a minute. Any unenumerated powers belong to the people um, in the states and not to the federal government. And when he said unenumerated, what he was saying was, we're going to carefully spell out in the Constitution exactly what the federal government is allowed to do and nothing else. So anything that we don't say here is not fair game for the federal government to snatch and take over. Basically, all the other powers remain. And so they wanted to create, of course, a, um, a, a, an army that could uh, re you know, defend the entire country, a national army, have um, a, a national currency, uh, and take care of other things that we needed a federal government for. But they were very careful to want to limit the size of that government because they understood that um, if government grew and grew, it could get out of control and mess into things that ought not get involved in. Yeah. So it says, here are the things the government is allowed to do. And if it's not on the list, it's none of their business. <laughs> Boy, that's a perfect summation. <laughs> okay. Excellent. So that's a little bit of the the how it happens and, and what it means. Our founding fathers had just come from, un, from being a colony under a monarchy, which is one king who could do pretty much whatever he wanted. And they wanted to do something different. They knew they didn't want that. But where did they get the idea of saying, well, instead of saying, we'll have a king, but he'll be better or something like that. How did they get the idea of saying, you know, we can actually put some limits on this? Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, Mr. Madison was very um, influential in the deliberations that took place um, about what we should do and kind of helping to draft the Constitution. And he, um, it's interesting, let me, his story, I think, in some ways helped lay the groundwork for this most important work that he did. And by that, I mean, um, James Madison was our smallest and lightest president um he his opponents said that he was only five foot two his supporters said oh no 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 he's all of five foot six hmm. um most historians think he was probably about five foot four but it was commonly said at the time that in order to weigh a hundred pounds if he got on a scale in order to weigh a hundred pounds he would have had to have put some rocks in his hat oh. to get the scale up that much so he was a he was a slight man, mm -hmm. not very big, not that didn't have a commanding presence. And some of that, I think, is was in part because uh, as a child, he was somewhat sickly and frail. And so he spent a lot of time indoors reading. And in many ways, he was our first great nerd, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> and he read a lot of books. Uh, including some by a man named Montesquieu, 
who um, was writing over in Europe about many of the things that he was observing there, uh, as well as people like John Locke. And um, Madison took their ideas and sh shared them with many of his friends, um, including Thomas Jefferson, who was a little bit older and was kind of a mentor of, um, to James Madison. And so he shared a lot of these ideas with his friends and then from that formulated um, uh, many of the ideas that then became our constitution. And they very much wanted to go away from having a king uh, because they had seen what had happened uh, with England. Um, um, and, and so that was very much a um, important um, idea that they wanted to carry forward. All right. Now, when you talked about him, um, you know, physically and, you know, not necessarily being, you know, the big, strong, you know, founding father, uh, certainly not like a George Washington who was yeah. tall and going into battle. Um, you know, it sort of made me think of also the support. And you mentioned before that he got from his wife. Um, you know, we talked about that, you know, another another famous husband and wife duo with with John Adams and Abigail. Um, so why why is Dolly Madison someone that we remember, too? Gosh, I'm glad you really asked that uh, question. Um, when Madison wrote the Constitution, he was then a single man, a relatively young man. He was one, I mean, his story is really inspiring because it helps all of us who are somewhat nerdy or small or not that tall or not that impressive physically. He kind of gives us hope and inspiration and he reminds us of the importance of reading and learning and becoming uh, wise um, because yeah, he was he was one of the youngest men, much like Jefferson, who wrote the uh, Declaration of Independence or was the primary writer of it. Uh, Jefferson was one of the youngest men at that um, gathering, just as um, Madison was at the Constitutional uh, Convention. But um, uh, uh, yeah, he he his his influence was largely a reflection of just how smart he was. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but when it came time several years later uh, for him to run for president, by that point, he had um, married Dolly. Um, Aaron Burr, interestingly, had introduced the two of them after Dolly's first husband had died. Uh, she was from Philadelphia, which is where Burr was uh, living, and the two were introduced. And so um, Madison became a married man. And when he ran for president, one of the things that... Um, the, his opponent observed after losing the election to James Madison, he said, you know, if I'd only had to run against James, I would have won easily. But trying to beat him and Dolly mm -hmm. was just too much. And I think that was a reflection of the fact that Dolly was a very charismatic, very vivacious, very colorful and interesting woman who felt very comfortable in social settings. Thomas Jefferson had asked her to be um, essentially the first lady uh, during his time in the White House because mm -hmm. he was at that point unmarried. And then of course she served that role in James Madison's administration. And um, Dolly was the first woman who was referred to as our first lady mm -hmm. and is and very much defined the role and part of the secret to her success and really to James Madison's success as president is that she understood that oftentimes um, the best way to overcome 
differences that people might have about um you know how to how to govern the country um was to put everyone in a room and throw a party mm. and so she had these elaborate parties uh in the white house that were that were that were really popular in fact they were sometimes referred to as squeezes because <laughs> people had to squeeze in to uh fit in the room because they were uh so crowded but one of the things that came out of that is that people enjoyed each other's company and they realized that many of the people that they were disagreeing with and that um they clashed with when it came time to solve problems were people that whose company they could enjoy at a party and that made it easier for them to overcome their differences and to um make some of the important compromises that were needed for our country to get off to a great start. So Dolly was I think I mean she's one of the best known women from that era. You mentioned Abigail Adams and I I mean I think the two of them and I guess you could put um Martha Washington in there as well but but Dolly in many ways was probably you know one of the best known women of that era and yet it I still think in some ways she's kind of underrated because mm-hmm. uh she had a a certain genius to um this kind of um uh, embracing the role of hostess and using it for not just the purpose of throwing a great party but for helping to to make it possible for our country to solve some important problems that might not have otherwise been solved yeah wow that's interesting um So in talking about compromise and having to to talk with one another that's definitely something that's come up you know even from the constitutional convention people had to to agree on things and it kind of made me think of Archer said one of his favorite things to do is to be brave and strong mm. and I was thinking that I think that goes well it goes for Dolly it goes for James Madison but I think it also just um goes to the idea of a limited government at all because you know having that much freedom you have to be brave that can be scary um and you have to be strong to to make your own choices no you're absolutely right the the founders really believed that the best way for um life in america to flourish for people to flourish was to have the freedom to make their own decisions but with that freedom does come responsibility and it does mean that you have to be strong and courageous and brave and tackle sometimes uncertain situations that are intimidating and scary um but it's far better for people to learn to do that themselves and to then turn to their neighbors and to their friends and to their extended family for help when they have needs rather than to turn to uh the government and ask the government to solve um their problems for them and And one of the things that's really interesting is that so Madison, you know, writes the constitution in 19, in uh, 1787, becomes president in the early 1800s. Um but still just a few years after he left the presidency, there was a Frenchman uh named Alexis de Tocqueville who in the 1830s came over to America from France to kind of study what made America tick. and he came away tremendously impressed by how Americans were so self-reliant and able to solve their own problems in their households and their neighborhoods and their communities oftentimes by you know 
starting volunteer organizations and working through churches and schools to address problems. He said in France and in other parts of Europe, it was very common for people when they had a problem just to complain and ask the government to fix it. And that that often didn't really work very well. And it seemed that the Americans had stumbled upon a better idea, which was self-reliance and self-government. I mean, that's really what self-government means is that we first govern ourselves and our households, and then we, um, you know, turn to uh, voting and selecting leaders who can solve the problems that um, we need the government to solve. So anyway, I think you're absolutely right. We need to be brave. We need to be courageous. We saw that in the Madisons and in many of the other founders, and we're all the beneficiaries of it now. Yeah. So um, as we wrap up this episode, is there anything else about limited government and James Madison that we that we have to keep in mind? I, I don't. I don't know that there's anything to add to that part of our discussion. I probably failed. I, I probably failed in my. Um, discussion about Dolly to mention something that I'm sure many of your uh, young students will be interested in, sure. which is that, which is that Ma Dolly was um, the uh, first person to introduce ice cream to... <laughs> well, <laughs> so, I'm interested oh, in that too. <laughs> yeah. um, and so it's kind of fitting that there's a company today that called Dolly Madison Cakes because she was... Um, uh, yeah, she she excelled in, in desserts in particular and uh, was famous for her cakes and then also introduced ice cream uh, at the White House. And so uh, so we have a lot to be thankful for when it That's comes funny, to yes. Dolly and to James. <laughs> that is, that is a wonderful, I always love hearing those little connections of things that we, you know, have every day and t look at that, it came from Dolly Madison, who knew? Yep. <laughs> so I think in the meantime, we have to just remember to be strong and brave, like Archer said, and I think maybe this limited government thing just might work. I think so. America, land of the free. So there you go. After having a king, our founding fathers weren't about to get into another situation where the government could tell them what to do. So they put limits on our government. It's like James Madison said, if men were angels, we wouldn't need a government because we would always do the right thing. And if we were angels, then we wouldn't have to limit the government either because they would always do the right thing. But we're a whole bunch of humans, so we had to make sure that we were protected. I also loved hearing that James Madison was a big nerd. All of that studying and reading really paid off because he helped us so much with things like limiting the government, creating the Bill of Rights, which we'll get to in a few weeks, and making sure that our new country was the best that it possibly could be. It was also great to hear about his wife, Dolly. One thing that she understood was that we had to get to know each other as people and as friends if we ever wanted to get anything done. We couldn't just say, I'm on one side and you're on the other. We had to focus on the things we had in common. But I think my favorite thing from this week was what Archer said, that we have to be brave and strong. Because freedom is hard work. We have to be brave and strong to make our own decisions. Well, that's all for this week. Remember, you can find us at Growing Patriots on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and growingpatriots.com to find out more about this episode and every episode, as well as the books. Can't wait to see you next time as we keep digging into what the Constitution really means. They freed us all from tyranny. We 
Distributed by FCB Radio Network.